This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, everyone. And... Uh... Welcome to a pre-season chat with chaps. I thought I would uh, come back. It's been a while. There's not been much, uh, not much to talk about really from a Millwall front, but we'll, we'll get into some stuff. I thought I'd let the dust settle. I'd, I was about to say the anger and uh, disappointment of of not getting into playoffs at the end of the season would have gone by now. It doesn't, but uh, we look forward. We move on, and at the point of recording, we're less than 24 hours before the fixtures get announced. So. Lots to look forward to. Um, so I, I want to give this video a little bit of structure because I could go on a ramble about all sorts. So I'm going to, I probably still will end up rambling. But the structure I'm going to try and give this video is I'm going to talk about three things that I think went well uh, last season, three things that I think maybe didn't go so well, and then three things that I think we need to do in, uh, in pre-season to improve and go one better next year. So that's what I'm going to try and do. I probably will ramble, as I say, but just to try and sort of keep me uh, focused on on some of the points, that's we're gonna, what we'll start off with. And I'll start off with a real random stat, and I don't really know what to make of this, to be honest, but we haven't had a red card for two seasons now, which I just find quite bizarre, to be honest. Two seasons without a red, red card. What, what do you think that means for us? Um, very, very, very odd indeed. But... Let me let me kick off then with three things that I think went well. So starting off looking at things positively. Um, and if we cast our mind back to this time uh, last summer, uh, obviously we had Jeb Wallace leaving the club. Uh, Danny Ballard also was kind of uh, you know, leaving the club. And they were two real big uh, shoes to fill. And don't forget as well, Benek Afobi uh, was technically you know, not with us anymore. So they were kind of three sort of players that, um, you know, we, we we had to kind of try and address. And, and, and we did that. And I think overall, our recruitment last summer was better than it has been. Uh, I do have to say that. And I think, you know, the likes of Zian Fleming coming in for a fee, I think it was around £1.7 million. That he has at least trebled his... Um, his valuation. I've seen people say he's worth 15 million. For me, he's not yet. He needs another year of consistency and he needs to step up in certain games a little bit more. But you can't argue with the numbers that he produced in his first season. So from a business standpoint, I think Zian Fleming was a really good replacement for Jed Wallace. So that's a tick. We brought Benik back to the club and I think everyone at the point in which we signed him was like, oh, this is a fantastic bit of business. 
Um, in reality, it probably turned out not to be so much. Um, and he probably took, uh, brought up a, a, a big chunk of wages. But I think on the face of it, everyone was really, really pleased with that, with that signing last summer. I think the likes of Honeyman and Vogel summer brought a, um, a different type of player to the club, maybe a different type of mentality, which I think was welcomed. Uh, Rowitz talked about Vogel Summer's um, drive and training ethic, and, and, and they can only have positive effects on the club. But the likes of Honeyman and Vogel Summer, you know, whilst they may not be the best and most uh, influential players going forward, they definitely contributed to the, the setup that we we took for a majority of their games, particularly away from home. So Vogel Summer, he's never going to be a world beater, but I think you know what you get from him. I do expect more from him actually this season, um, as as I do with Honeyman. Um, and I also think Honeyman could be played in a couple of different positions um, this season, but I'll, I'll come on to that in a moment. But I would give those a solid rating, nothing spectacular, but solid. And then I think Charlie Cresswell coming in to replace Danny Ballard, uh, different type of centre-half, probably more comfortable with the ball at his feet, more of a goal threat. As we know, he's he got six goal contributions last season. Um, so, you know, I think Ballard's... Ballard, uh, Ballard Jed's and Afobi's boots to fill from the previous season were really big. And I felt we addressed those last season uh, and it could have been a calamitous summer window for us. And I don't think it was. And I think overall, especially when you had Styles into the mix on paper, his injuries uh, obviously hampered him. And we'll talk a bit about that when we come on to what we need for this preseason uh, and over the summer. But I think overall, in the context of a standard Millwall transfer window I think we can give last season's transfer window a thumbs up it wasn't mind-blowing but when you compare it to years that have gone by where we have really struggled to bring in players that have moved us on and moved us forward I think you have to give it overall thumbs up the difference is as I said in my post-match chat against Blackburn game the difference is the teams that got in the playoffs have had two, three years or seasons, so sort of, you know, four, five, six transfer windows of good, you know, good windows. We haven't had that. We've had one, maybe two. So it's about building on that and progressing nicely. So I think overall it was a step in the right direction. The second thing that I think went well last season was I genuinely think we're getting the best out of the group we've got. I really do. And I've said this before. I uh, I don't think on paper our team should be in the top six. I don't. And um, I think that with the players we've got and the finances we have, and I know people don't like to hear it about we're punching all that kind of stuff. And I'm not necessarily saying that, but black and white, the paper, the, the players we have on paper, for me, are not top six material. And the only reason they got to top six was because of two reasons. The first one is they gave everything. And whether or not, yep, they, and we'll talk a bit about uh, some of the bottle that maybe went towards the end of the season and the lack of leadership at times and injuries and things. In terms of the players that were put out on that pitch every single week, they gave it their all. I think the only game I was a bit disappointed with was the Wigan away game. The second reason, I think, is it's not entertaining. It's pretty boring. And actually, maybe, who knows, if another manager came in and the shackles were off, maybe it would turn out for the better. I'm not so sure with this current group of players, but I think Rowett has found a way of playing that is effective. And I think that's key. It is, it's not pretty, uh, it's certainly um, not exciting, but 
it's effective over a course of a season. You can't argue with that. You know, three, was it three or four now top 10 finishes? Uh, you can't argue with that. So I think that's, that's, that's another point. And then the last one on that second point around getting the best out of this group of players is year on year, we did create more chances. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit later around reliance on a couple of individuals that we had, but we did create more chances this season. So we actually created 14 chances per game versus 12 the season before. So that is progress. Um, and that is, you know, despite it being a real boring and, and sometimes dross way of playing on the eye, factually, we created more chances. However, 42% of all of our goals came from set plays, which is slightly concerning because that just shows you, again, our over-reliance on these, these types of play as opposed to sort of free-flowing creative football. Now, personally, I couldn't give a monkeys how we score goals as long as two things. Number one, we play like a Millwall team, which is up and at an aggressive front foot. And second of all, we get the job done and results are there. So that's kind of the second point. The third point is the overall progression of the club. So this is a little bit more, not, not so much on the pitch, but just talk, taking a step back and looking at things holistically from a Millwall, Millwall sort of, maybe more of a business standpoint, right? Um, I think what we can say is, is off the pitch, things like the training ground and that kind of moving forward is a huge, huge step forward. You know, these are things that are building the foundations for us longer term. In tandem to that, you've got the success of the under-21s, which is just fantastic to win what they did um, and to see a real good calibre of player coming through. And of course, there is none you know, no more sort of prevalent than Ramon and Romain Essay that's coming through. And how brilliant is it to see him being integrated into the first team? I would expect him to play a much bigger part next year. Personally, I felt he was managed well last year. I know everyone doesn't agree with that and that people think he should have played more games and more time. I think personally, he, 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 he was, maybe he should have come on a couple of times earlier, but in terms of starts and things, I think he was managed perfectly. Next season is the time for him to step up. But how nice is it to have these players actually being integrated into the first team at such a young age? You know, players before, like the two lads that went to Man City, Man City um, one of them's now at Southampton. We may see him next season down at the Den. Um, and then, you know, Lovelace, these players, before they can be properly integrated, get snapped up. So it's fantastic to get SA signed to a contract and, you know, be an, another player that's going to be integrated as part of the first team. So, don't underestimate, you know, to take a step back and look at this. The next point on this one is crowds. So our average crowd attendance was up 12%. Now, again, another one that I know divides opinion, right, in terms of, you know, we're bringing in more more fans, but are they kind of the bread and butter Millwall fans? And are they eating into the the kind of the, 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 the typical, you know, hardcore Millwall fan set? Um for me, I think what you need to do as a club is you need to you need to absolutely be trying to build a base around some of the, you know, the sort of foreign market, um, you know, the countless amount of Dutch and German fans down there. And I don't mind that. I think it's great. It's all money for the club, right? They do spend money at the games. They buy the shirts. They, you know, but let's face it, we don't, right? They, you know, they'll buy a beer. They'll, you know, the, the, the German sausage stuff and all that, that's, that's great. But you do that alongside looking after your core. And that's really, really important. And I think Millwall have got a job on their hands to make sure they do that. But factually, crowds are up 12%, which I would hope would lead to an increase in revenue for the club, which, as a, again, as a club that we love, you have to look at that. 
and think for us to get to that next level and for us to be able to buy these players and get the recruitment right season after season, we need to be driving more revenue. So I think that's a good thing. And then the final point on this is I think that's now our, this is we're going to in our seventh season in the championship. We are now a sustainable championship club. Okay. And for the longer to over the longer period of time, you have to look at that and the progression that we've had. Um, it, it is just fantastic. And, and Rowett and JB and the club have to take credit for that. The caliber of players we're being linked to, you know, at the moment we're being linked to Lewis Travis, who is a Blackburn captain. You know, we talked about, you know, signing Nisbet, signing Dykes. These are players that a couple of years ago we would have no chance of being linked with. And we are linked with that because A, we're now a more attractive proposition and B, our financial position has improved to a point that we can attract these players. And I think that sometimes you need to just take a step back. You really do. I look at the, the first lineup that Gary Rowett had when he took over and we beat Stoke 2-0. If you look at the bench, honestly, the bench, you had Jason McCarthy, you had Alex Pierce, uh, you had um, Connor Mahoney, John Daddy Budvarsson. You know, these, these players are just, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge progression and step change in terms of where we were three or four years ago. And I think that does need to be commended. So overall, they're my three things. I think recruitment is improving. I think we are getting the best out of the group that we have. And I think we're progressing as a club. So they're my three positive things. Now, moving on to things that um, maybe not so positive. So um, the, the, the first one is around um, goal contributions and reliance on certain individuals. So the season before last, so the 2021-2022 season, we had 25 goal contributions from our defence. Last year, we only had 16, and six of them were from Charlie Cresswell. So that, again, tells me that our back four, despite us scoring 42% of our goals from set plays, they're not contributing enough. You know, the fullbacks between them, Murray Wallace, Danny Mack, one goal contribution the whole season. That is not good enough. And therefore, we've become too reliant on certain players. So Fleming and Bradshaw um, scored 30, sorry, had 38 goal contributions between them. The season before, when everyone said, oh, we're way too reliant on Jed. Between Jed and Afobi, they had 34. Sorry, so Fleming and Bradshaw, 38. Jed and Afobi, 34. So we're actually even more reliant on two individuals last season. We're not getting enough goal contributions from other areas. And that ultimately boils down to we're creating more chances, but our conversion is worse. You know, Fleming and Bradshaw take on, I forget the exact stats, but I think it was around 35% of all of our shots are from Fleming and Bradshaw. But it's, it's over 60% of the goals that come from them two individuals. So we are way too reliant on these two players. And I'll kind of talk a bit about what I think we need to do in the recruitment market to address that. So too reliant on two individuals. The second point I want to make that didn't go so well last season is we had no plan B. And I think this was evident to all of us in the January transfer window. And if I'm honest, I think the club did everything they could to try and get that central striker. And I'm going to talk a little bit around Nesbitt now. And Nesbitt, you can look at it as one of two ways, right? You can look at it as a really good bit of business in the summer, getting in for a slightly reduced price, if we're to believe what's what's kind of come out. Um, who knows? In the, the day, we don't know. Um, I, I'm sure when he gets announced officially, 
if it's not announced as a club record fee, then it ultimately, you know, it is underneath that kind of one and a half million bracket as an initial fee, which is good business. But if we had taken the gamble in January, who knows if that could have been that missing link? We'll never know, right? And he is a roll of the dice anyway. And again, I'll talk a bit about recruitment still to do in a moment. And I'll talk a bit about Nesbitt and his injury because I have literally almost the exact same injury that Nesbitt had. So I can kind of talk to it and, and you know, how I understand the club's position. But we didn't have a plan B. And I think whilst Bradshaw has to be commended for his performance in the second half of the season, we didn't have a way of bringing on a second striker, a central striker, or just giving him a break in some games, maybe where he wasn't performing. And I think that was really, really key. And I think what you can say is, is that that was really evident in our last eight games. I said this before, we got eight points from our last eight home games. That's not good enough. That is not good enough. The season was not defined at home to Blackburn at all. It wasn't. It wasn't even defined in the away game at Wigan. It's the culmination of all of these sorts of things. We failed to score in 37% of our games. That's shocking. You know, we look at the, like, Hull at home, Huddersfield at home, Birmingham at home, QPR at home, Reading at home. These are teams that are poor and we couldn't get a go against them. Wigan, we only scored once against them at home and away. We, whilst we scored more goals last season... We fail to score in more games. And therefore, when we struggle against teams, we really struggle, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, we just can't seem to find a way of breaking them down. And that's what it goes back to that plan B. We have to have another way of playing. Um, and I didn't think we were able to do that. There were so many games last season where I left feeling really frustrated. And to me, that's really, really key in something that we have to address in the summer transfer window. And then the third one, which absolutely contributes to lack of plan B, is around the injuries and leadership. So I bucket this into one. So injuries. We had injuries to Ryan Leonard, Callum Styles, George Honeyman, Murray Wallace, Mason Bennett, Sean Hutchinson. They're ones that I can just name off the top of my head. And these are big players. Maybe not our best players, but players that really bring leadership. How, how vital could it have been to have Honeyman and Wallace in the last like last games, just from a leadership standpoint, is so important. The other fact that I want to bring out here is we were only able to play, and I've, I've double-checked this stat, but if it's wrong, I apologise, but it looks right and it sounds right. We were only able to name a consistent 11 eight times all season, which is really poor. And I think that... Now, that I didn't, I didn't look into how much of that was by choice and how much of that was um, by injury, but I think judging by what I just said, a lot of it would have been down to injury. And you can't plan for things like that. You go away to Blackpool, you produce a fantastic performance. Leonard comes in, almost man of the match performance, and he has to come out again because he's injured. How do you legislate for stuff like that? And I think that is poor. And I also think that the amount of times where we just needed someone to step up, and I will draw on Wigan away here. I will draw on you know the games at home where we couldn't break teams down like Hull. Um, I will draw on the Blackburn game where you wanted someone to step up and be a leader and be accountable. And I don't think we have it. I said against my post-match against Blackburn, I'm not digging out Hutchie, but maybe it's time for someone else to step up and take the mantelpiece from a club captain. And I'll talk a bit about that in a moment. So overall, I think that from a not so good standpoint, you had too much reliance on two players again. 
no plan B and a lack of leadership and too many injuries. And for me, they were the three things that culminated. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Picture the scene: all of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Related us not getting into the playoffs, right? So, I've talked a bit about what went well. I've talked a bit about uh, what didn't go so well. Now I'm going to talk a bit about, you know, the summer and kind of what I think we need to do to address. And I'll start on recruitment to start with. So, just my personal point of view, but I think this season's championship is the most competitive it has been in donkey's years. I really, really do. I think all the clubs that have come up, believe me, Ipswich are a very, very good side. They've got money. They look like they're trying to invest. I've heard rumours that they're going to be spending over four million on Ellis Sims. I mean, quality player at this level, as he's proven. They got, you know, if they if they got those sorts of finances. So, point being, they're going to be a good side, right? I think Sheffield Wednesday are going to be the odd one because obviously Darren Moore is now gone and rumours are that him and Chancery weren't aligned on the amount of money that he was going to spend. But then Chancery's come out and said they're going to sign up to 10 players. So don't know what to believe there. Either way, big club. Sheffield Wednesday is never going to be an easy place to go. And then finally, Plymouth actually won the league. So they're going to be no mugs. And um personally really looking forward to that away, away day. In terms of teams that are coming down, Leeds, Leicester and Southampton, it will all depend on the players that they keep. I think Southampton, if they if they get Russell Martin as their manager and they play to that style and able to keep a lot of their players, they're going to be there or thereabouts. I think Leicester, if they keep even half of their players, you know, they'll probably have one of the most expensively assembled squads that the Championship's ever seen. Um, and then Leeds, who knows? But, you know, we know the likes of Shackleton and Cresswell, they're going to be in their first team, right? Uh, which is really disappointing because I would have loved to have got Cresswell back. But... Judging by where we are now, that's not going to happen. So you've got those six and then you've got other clubs that built momentum up towards the end of the season that are going to continue that. So I expect Middlesbrough to be up there again. Sunderland. These are the types of clubs at uh, Swansea, but although they're, they're ever going to change of manager, it looks like Michael Duff's coming in. The point I'm trying to make is we're going to have to go some from a recruitment standpoint just to stand still. The other thing as well is there's a lot of players outgoing that, again, you've got to replace almost just to stand still. So you've got uh, Cresswell, Shackleton, Malone, Bennett, Bury, Burke, Afobi, which we never replaced, and Styles. So Styles, for me, listen, like there's a lot of stuff that we've been talked about on Twitter and, and various forums and things. And I think at the end of the day, we don't know the facts, right? From my perspective, and it's just my opinion, we we have decided not to sign Callum Styles. I think that we, we've we made that decision essentially based on a return on investment decision. We think that the money that it would cost to sign him, don't know what that fee is. 
um, would be better spent elsewhere. And I think that there's no doubt he's a quality player and there's no doubt in that he has resale value because he's only 22, 23 years old. But I think the injuries that he had last season meant we didn't see the best of him. And the club have obviously decided that it's better to spend that money elsewhere. I'm personally disappointed, but until I know, A, how much he's going to go for, because if it's three million, I don't blame the club. If it's one and a half, then I think they're, they're silly not to. And then B, where that money gets spent. But the point I'm trying to make here is that there's a lot of recruitment that needs to happen just to stand still, particularly in the context of the competition around us improving. Um, so what do I think we need? So I'm going to go through the sort of team and I'll talk about this. So I think what we need to try and do is we need to recruit for a better output from certain areas and B, to have a plan B, right? Um, so I think we need enough, another left wing back to replace Malone. I don't think Murray Wallace is a natural left wing back. I know there's a couple of players in the youth team that look quite good. But I think we need a quality left wing back at this level to come in and be our first team left wing back that can contribute more going forwards. I believe that Rowett wants to play a 5-3-2 next year. Personally, I don't really care what form formation we play. I like to play two up top. So if he can make the 5-3-2 work, um, then fine. The reason I think that is because I think he's he's letting wingers go. Um, so your know, Bury and Bennett... Um, and a lot of the players we've been linked with are kind of fullbacks. So I kind of see that happening. So we've been linked with George Cox. Um, another one that we haven't been linked with, but I wouldn't be surprised if we go after is Morgan Fox. So he's just been released by Stoke and he was one of their best players last season. He's a local lad and I think he's played under Rowett before and we know what Rowett's like. So I want us to sign a left wing back that is going to come in and impact that first team. Um, a player, obviously you ended up getting promoted, but... Um, Alfie Doughty for Luton was, was fantastic. That type of player is what we need. Centre-back. So we need to replace Charlie Cress Cresswell. And I know a lot of people are saying that um, Alex Mitchell could be the one. And maybe he could. And we should definitely give him the opportunity. I'm just a little bit concerned why he wasn't playing for St. Johnson towards the end of the season. He did win their Young Player of the Year, which is great. And he should definitely be given a chance to come into the squad and show what he can do. But I'm just a little bit concerned as to why that is. I've personally never seen him play, so I'm not going to sit here and contribute. He looks like an absolute tank, um, but I've never seen him play. And if you're going to play free at the back, you need someone who's comfortable to ball with their feet. I'm not so sure if that's Alex Mitchell. I think we need another centre-back, not just to give us the option of playing free, but also, I am um, controversial opinion. It's actually seven years to the day that we signed Sean Hutchinson. He is a fantastic servant for the club. In my opinion, one of the best centre-backs I have personally seen down there. But everyone has a time where their time is up. And I think he's absolutely still vital to the squad, but he shouldn't be a guaranteed starter for me. Um, he didn't look the same player as he came in last season. And maybe he still wasn't fit. I don't know. And maybe if we go to a five, he can um, prolong playing a lot more. But playing in a two, I'm not so sure anymore. Um, and I also think maybe it's time for a new captain, but I'll come to that in a moment. So we need a centre-back. I've heard rumours of Brian Platt. I don't know who he is. <laughs> I've never seen him play, but I keep hearing his rumours. But I think either way, we need another centre-back who's comfortable with the ball at the feet, can play in a two, can play in a three, and that replaces Charlie Cresswell. So that's two players. Third player. Um, now... 
I think we need another central midfielder. And I think we need a central midfielder that can do a couple of things. So first of all, he needs to replace and fill the void of Jamie Shackerton and Callum Styles. But he also, for me, needs to bring leadership qualities. I think we lack leaders. And I'll come on to that in a moment as well. It's one of my other points. But And maybe this is why we're looking at Lewis Travis. He, For me, though, he doesn't... We need someone that can also unlock defenders. So basically, I'm asking for, you know, just like this absolute, you know, top caliber player who's a leader that can unlock defenses and stuff like that. But that's what Callum Styles had. You saw that he could unlock defenses, but we need a real leader in the middle of the park, like a Sam Morsey that plays for Ipswich, that kind of leader, but can also do that bit going forward. And they're going to cost a pretty penny. And a lot of people are probably thinking, we don't need another centre midfielder. I really think we do, because the amount of you know, times that we we, we, we faltered as, as, as a group and you can just see it. There, there is a real lack of leadership for me in the group and I'll come on to that in, uh, in, in just a second. So that's three players I think we need. I think we need another striker on top of Nesbitt. So I'll talk about Nesbitt in a moment, but I think we need another striker on top of Nesbitt. We need a mobile target man. And I personally think we can get Lyndon Dykes. I think that's exactly what we need. We never replace Steve Morrison horrible striker that can peel off to the fullback, win the balls in the air, hold the ball up, bring others into play and almost hold the ball so that others can get further up the pitch. And that's vital, particularly if you're going to play wingbacks. Okay. So I think Lyndon Dykes is that player. And um, whether it's him or another, I mean, Ellis Sims would be the dream and, you know, people know how much I'm a fan of Ellis Sims, but it's never going to happen. But a, a mobile target man, is something for me that we need. It gives us another option. It gives us a plan B um, and it gives us a slightly different way of playing that I think that whilst Bradshaw is good at bringing others into play, he's not exactly what we need there. So I think we need another central striker. So that's four. Um, I'll talk a bit about Nesbitt now. So I've already addressed the fact that is it is it a, a mistake not to sign him in January? Or is it good business now? I don't know. Either way, I'm going to be honest. I haven't really seen much of him other than he's like showreel, which doesn't really mean anything. It's a gamble. Believe me, it's a gamble. So the injury he had, everyone keeps talking about, oh, he's done his ACL. No, right? His ACL is the least of his worries. He also tore his meniscus. So essentially, his meniscus is the shock absorber between the two bones, right? Now, basically, you have that and then you have cartilage on the end of each bone. That shock absorber, when you rip it, believe me, because I have, and I've had a meniscus replacement and then ripped that too, your knee is never the same. And that's my concern. That is why I believe that the club decided against signing him in January. We looked after him. We didn't out him publicly because we knew we were going to go back in, in for him in the summer, which has already been come out and said. Um, but I think that at the time, his knee hadn't progressed as much as we'd liked and we weren't prepared to take the risk. Um, that's my view on it. But either way, believe me, it's still a risk. I hope that he goes on to score 20, 25 goals and that one and a half million or whatever we paid for him becomes five, 10 million. He's a player that fits the type of recruitment profile I think we now need to go for. We need to go for players who are a bit arrogant, that almost, you know, a lot of Hibs fans have come out and said, oh, he never really clicked with the fans. You know, he always looked like he wanted to move on. Fine. If he comes here, as long as he works his absolute tits off when he's in, scores the goals, and then as long as we get a great fee for him after, fine. 
You know, I'm not bothered if they're not Millwall through and through anymore. You, you've got to have a combination of these types of blood, sweat and tears players that have either come through Millwall and understand what Millwall's all about, but also players that have got that bit of arrogance that want to progress to the next level because they're going to be the players that score those goals in battle moments. Look at Brerett and Diaz. Look at Yorkeresh. They're, never, they're not going to be at Coventry and Blackburn next year, but they got them to where they need to be. Um, so I think it's really, really crucial. So ultimately, on top of Nesbitt, so far I've said we need a left wing back, centre back, centre mid and a striker. And then also the final bit of the jigsaw, I think, is, an, is, a, is, a, is a wide man that's got pace. So um, the boys are going to laugh when I say this, but I've always been a fan of Ogbené. And I know there's some political reasons maybe why, you know, it may not be the best fit. But for me, that type of profile um, obviously plays in the Ireland squad. So a few of the boys will know him. Um, you know, who knows? Him and Danny Mack could build a nice little partnership down the right-hand side. But a, a real pacey wide man that can also play in a free up top, can play maybe as a as a... As, as an out-and-out winger, just again, to give us a bit of a variation, just some pace. I'm just a little bit worried with us losing Bury and Bennett. We do lack pace. And Burke, sorry. We, we, we do lack pace now. We don't have any pace. And for all Burke's flaws, and he was never going to stick around this season, he did bring pace. And I actually think to, you know, I think that his last sort of five or six games, he contributed really, really well. But he's never going to be here next year, and we can't afford him, to be perfectly honest. So, um but we, we need to bring pace in. I haven't addressed the goalkeeper because, of course, I'd like a goalkeeper. I've said I don't think George Long's good enough. Um, I think Bart's happy to play second fiddle. But ultimately, I think Rowett will give George Long um, a go. And I don't think we'll be looking to buy a goalkeeper in the summer. So I've, not, I've almost not talked about it. If it was me, I absolutely would. But the club aren't going to do it. So it's kind of pointless. The only th other thing that I've kind of thinking about is a right back to push Danny Mac on because I think that, as I said, Danny Mac's goal contributions and he's playing forward areas needs to improve. Defensively, I've got no issues. I think he's a top, top championship right back. But if we're going to play a 3-5-2, we need to get more out of him. I also think that maybe, obviously now we've got Leonard signed a contract extension, which, by the way, I think if we can get him fit for 75% of the season is the right decision. I think his versatility, his impact on the first team, and clearly he's a leader within the group, shouldn't be underestimated. So I think that's good. But I'm wondering if, if Honeyman could do a job in a right wing-back position. He's got energy. He's got fantastic stamina. His delivery is not that bad. Maybe he could be an option there. Um, and maybe that's something the club are toying with. It's absolutely no knowledge at all. It's just just my kind of interpretation of, of maybe why the club might not go out and sign an out-and-out out right wing-back. Um, also don't know if there's anyone in the youth that's that's coming up. So just to summarise, recruitment, a lot to do just to stand still. And for me, left wing-back, centre-back, centre-mid, pacey winger, and another central striker, that's five players in addition to Nesbitt, is the minimum we need. I think that's the overall first point, and I have touched on the second and third points within that, but just to kind of reiterate what reiterate reiterate what they are before I sort of round up is that I think from a, a recruitment perspective, we need to bring in a more of a, a leadership and a bit more arrogant profile. Um, I'm not saying we should bring bad eggs in because I think one of the reasons this group of players do overperform is because of the continuity of the group, 
the harmony within the group and the fact they all get on. But we need to bring in something that almost mixes mixes things up. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a leadership profile and p possibly a new club captain. If you look at the group now, for me, there's only, what, four players that you could consider? So that's Coops, which personally, love the guy, want him to sign a new contract. Don't think he's a he's an out-and-out -out leader. Billy Mitchell, maybe, for the longer term. Savile would be the obvious one to me. Or Fleming. Um, when um, when I had, had, uh, had a bit of a chat with my mate Gary, um, uh, one of the end-of-season dudes, he talked about the leadership that Fleming has that people don't necessarily see. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. But for me, I do think we need a change of club captain. That's very harsh on Hutch, but it's just where I think we need to go. And as part of our recruitment strategy, we need to look at players that have more leadership qualities so we don't fold in some of these games. And also maybe a bit more arrogance, people that want to reach the very, very top that actually, you know, are going to get you there. And then, but, but, but maybe they're going to, they're going to bugger off at the same time. But these are the players that are going to get you in, in the first place. So that's the second point. And then the third point is to recruit for a plan B. We want to be able to play 352, 4-4-2, 4-2-3-1, 4-3-2-1, whatever it is. I don't think we have the players. We didn't have the players to do that towards the back end of last season. And I think that cost us. As part of that, if we're going to play 3-5-2, we need to get more out of our wide players because that just was not there last season. One goal contribution from our fullbacks wasn't good enough. And if they're going to be wingbacks, they need to contribute more. Conversely, Malone was actually our top contributing wide player for the last two seasons, and he's now gone. So there we go. Look, 36 minutes I've gone on for. And... Um, Hopefully, um, that's kind of been useful just to sort of give my thoughts. Um, I think the club have got a big job on their hands in the summer. And I think the recruitment will really dictate what opportunities we've got coming up. Um, I'm absolutely buzzing to get down there. Really looking forward to the fixtures coming out tomorrow. Um, seeing if we're at home or away. Some real big away games that I'm really looking forward to. So, um yeah, look, hope that was useful. I think I may do a couple more before the season starts, depending on when some of the more announcements come out in players and things like that. But that's just my take on what I think we need for the for the season to, to go one better. Uh, and I just now just can't wait for the season to start. Um, really, really looking forward to it. I watched the Ashes yesterday and uh, obviously we lost, but um, that was really exciting and kind of like just keeps you ticking over for a little while. But it's nothing like watching me, is it? Uh, and then just before I finish, I just want to just sort of say, um, just to say that I'd like to sort of dedicate this show to my granddad, um, unfortunately passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so Harry Chapman, this is dedicated to you. Um, had the pleasure of attending my first ever Millwall game with him back in 95 when we uh, when we lost at home to Cholton 2-0 in the snow. That was the first game I ever went to. And I think that's the, the last time they ever beat us. Um, so um yeah, just want to dedicate this to, to him and um, we'll give him a very good send off soon. So, um, yeah, dedicated to you, Harry. Um, and that's it. That's it. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, as always, I try to give a bit of a pragmatic opinion, put some stats in there to justify my opinions and try to give these shows a little bit of structure. So hopefully you enjoyed that. I enjoyed doing it. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you're having a fantastic summer and I'll catch up with all of you soon. Thanks a lot. Bye for now. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.